My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. Have you been following the Art of the Possible Festival by Fab NHS Stuff this week? It's been a lively programme focused on making good stuff happen. Five days packed full of short webinars and other goodies offering practical tips and resources to help people turn their quality improvement pledges into reality. Well, as you know, I'm really keen on simple stuff that makes things happen. So I was chuffed to be invited to kick off the week chatting with Terry Porritt and Rachel Jury about meaningful co-production. Regular listeners will know both Terry and Rachel as they've been previous guests on this podcast series. A wonderful mix of professional experience and lived experience. Check out episodes 12 and 17 to see what I mean. Now, the bad news is that by the time you listen to this, you will have missed the whole thing. The good news is that it's all available on Catch Up, a whole box set of little videos with passionate people contributing their nuggets of brilliance, ranging from trauma-informed support for your colleagues to reconditioning games. I'm really looking forward to checking that one out. Anyway, I thought I'd give the Art of the Possible Festival a boost by sharing the audio from my conversation with Terry and Rachel as this week's podcast episode. If you'd like to watch the video, I'll post a link to it, and indeed to all the other sessions in the programme notes. So here we go. Over to you, Terry. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the first session in our Art of the Possible Festival. And it gives me real pleasure to introduce two people that actually have influenced me and my practice hugely. The first is Jill of Whose Shoes fame. And the second is Rachel, who is an expert by experience and in my day job as a stoma care nurse has taught me so much. So we obviously are recording this session for people to watch on catch up. But I'm just going to really start the conversation by by saying welcome, Rachel. Welcome, Jill. Co-production, meaningful co-production is at the absolute foundation of all service and quality improvement. So maybe let's start with both of you. First of all, Jill, how did all this start? How did it start? Well, that's a big question. So I worked forever, really, in local government. I was in social care and I became really passionate about what was then called the personalisation agenda and how amazing to get services to fit around people rather than the other way around. But actually, how did that work? And the more I kind of learned about it, the more I thought there's more to this. And basically, we don't yet know what personalisation is. That was back in 2008. And take some simple examples. So if we're saying to people, we want you to have choice, 
but actually we're in a completely risk averse society, what does that mean? So it wasn't that simple. And similarly, I was really very keen on the idea of prevention rather than waiting till people have got problems and then trying to sort them in crisis, which was happening a lot in social care. But how did that work when the eligibility criteria to get any help at all was going through the roof? And that was basically in a nutshell how Whose Shoes was born to kind of start to tease that out and see what it meant from different perspectives and how by actually all coming together and realising that probably all of those perspectives are valid, but how do we take it forward and how do we work together? So to me, sometimes like the buzzwords, whether you call it co-production, whether you call it hashtag solving together or whatever the kind of key thing is or personalisation, it's trying to get through that to the people and find out what actually matters to people and to try and join things up rather than have, you know, perhaps separate parts of your life. I mean, to me, people just want to get on with their lives. And if they happen to have problems, if you like, whether that's social care sort of issues or, you know, NHS issues, then the more those things can kind of join up and just let them get on with their lives, then I think that's what all of us want. So that was really where Who's Shoes came from. And Rachel, tell us a little bit about how how you have focused your work and energy really first of all in sharing best practice but also in sharing your your expertise your lived experience yeah so hi everybody my name is rachel and i was a trained therapy radiographer before i got ill so my bladder and bowel failed and i wasn't able to work anymore and to cut a long story short i I lost myself and found myself and I found advocating and I found helping improve services and sharing my story and experience where I met Terry um, because where I got two stomas, a eostomy and a leostomy, I met Terry and then I became part of FAB and the social media manager and for me it's just amazing seeing all sharing best practice in the NHS and where I've learned and I've learned a lot from Jill so it's a great privilege to be on this call to be able to say how much what she has done has improved my advocacy and my communication with healthcare professionals and able to share and help improve services and make true, true meaningful co-production. Okay, so the whole point of this session was we were going to learn from both of you about your top tips to meaningful co-production rather than, oh, I've got to tick that box on a form to show I'm doing my QI right. So Jill, do you want to kick us off doesn't have to be in order of priority but what's the top tip from you but me I'm new in QI what would you what would you say to me Terry this is really really important I think actually thinking about it a great way to start would be to listen to the podcast that I recorded with Rachel <laughs> and I have used that really really powerful I and mean, people say you know, in NHS England, say, we want to listen to stories from people with lived experience. And I say, listen to this one, listen to this one. And, you know, the privilege of speaking to Rachel, finding out more about your story, Rachel. And I know I got asked to do a session around walking in your shoes. You know, I was asked, is it possible to walk in someone's shoes? And I thought, you know, rather than me talking the theory, Let's hear in practice a little snippet from Rachel's podcast talking about being believed, being trusted. And, you know, I think for me, 
any way of bringing in people with experience and that's you know lived experience learned experience but basically learning from the people who are actually there and for me it's been more of being a catalyst and obviously bringing my own experience as well but if you bring people together so okay top tip if you bring people together as human beings and you're genuinely interested in what they've got to say and what their experience is and you're listening then you won't go far wrong and, you know, people, I think, for me, overcomplicate things. I think the Hushu's approach, the board game, the kind of wider approach is really simple. And it's just coming up with real experiences and seeing how whatever changes need to be made work for that. So uh, I put that a bit clumsily, but if you actually bring people together, so you've got to make it realistic. You know, if you want to make a change, it's no good, you know, just talking to the people using services and coming up with things that cost so much money that you haven't got and nobody actually wants to go and work in that profession because, <laughs> you know, you, you want the staff to be fired up as students, you know, want to go into that particular area, as staff to stay in that particular area, to go into work excited each day and to be able to make changes or to be empowered to to kind of do stuff really so I think you've got to trust people whether that's the patients in terms of if if someone says to you this is the problem then almost certainly it is and yeah. you know similarly for the staff for them to be able to as I say you know have a job that they enjoy and that they feel empowered to to make a difference and I think my sort of starting point is that you know obviously you get terrible tragedies and cases and so on and the odd bad apple but mainly for me people go into any job because it's something that interests them that hopefully they're passionate about and they want to do a good job and, and make a difference so it's trying to do everything to kind of like keep that that spark alive really I mean that's that's so powerful isn't it because it is about trusting trusting people with lived experience trusting your staff I often found as a ward sister, if I was having an issue with a particular service or way that something happened on the ward, I didn't have to come up with the answer. I immediately spoke to the staff. This is a pain. We're redoing X, Y and Z four times. How can we? Oh, right, Terry, what we need to do is this, this and that. Perfect. Do it. Let's change it. So if you if you're open, as you say, and trust people and then act on what they tell you, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, well, certainly as a ward sister, that got so much done. And also because it was their change, their improvement, not mine, imposed by me as the ward sister. So, but Jill, what I didn't do, and I have learned from you, in future, I would bring cake. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon cake. Lemon cake. We'll get on to lemons in a minute. Rachel, what would be your top tip? My top tip, if you're in QI and you're about to start doing this and want to know how to do co-production, is to be brave. So my experience has been that when I've worked closely with my local trust, Bournemouth Hospital, some of the staff took a risk, really, because it was kind of you're changing 
it hasn't been done before or there's concerns about oh, what will happen if a patient gets into the room but actually amazing things happen so it'd be to be brave you know I was I eventually after this one director kind of jumped through hoops and hit a few walls as well I was on the interviewing panel for directorate roles and I was able to ask the blunt questions on what does co-production and what are you going to do for co-production and at first there was some resistance but then we persevered and afterwards even the candidates said it was amazing to have that voice and then other people I believe are doing that now as patient voices so it would be to be brave and you don't know what you can create because actually getting an experience in the room whether it's patient or carer really changes the conversation and it's starting it from the beginning it's not going okay at the end let's grab in let's just tick box it's really really listening and being there and taking equal voices you know taking on board the suggestions that they have able to really listen to maybe what's not being said and being open because a lot of it is also to be open and able to change maybe a plan might go a certain way but actually when you the people that are using the service okay we need to adapt it this way and also you never know what you can give to that person so for me I've grown you know I lost my 20s I was just an absolute shell and now I believe in my 30s I'm living my 20s and I've got my purpose back we're out there is just trying to access us you know and, and using social media going on to Jill's wild cars and be able to find people in the trust going to the volunteers there's lots of people want to know some when something bad happens to you with illness or whatever you want to have some meaningful come out of it and I think a lot of people just want to have a purpose and have a reason why so yeah that those would be my top tips yeah well I can't I can't disagree with anything that you've said and I think what's so helpful in the chat Rachel has put this fantastic bright lemon coloured digital postcard that Jill has prepared for you with her top tips but also with resources for you to look at that are all around the themes that Rachel and Jill are discussing now so that this then gives you further information templates examples to actually click on and use rather than starting with a blank piece of paper. Now I wonder if in the digital world so much of what we do now around improvement efficiency is around using digital technologies Jill how do we make how do we not lose the person when we've got tech in the room if you understand what I mean I think that's a really interesting question and Last week, we actually did a Who's Shoes workshop for Baby Loss Awareness Week in Birmingham. And I was telling the story of some work we were doing earlier, which was almost a kind of social experiment in a way with hindsight in terms of digital compared within the room. And we had a pair of workshops around baby loss with, first of all, Colchester and then Gloucestershire, two fantastic teams, and we were using Who's Shoes to test out the National Bereavement Care Pathway. And now note the date, the first workshop, the Colchester workshop was the 6th of March, 2020. What do you think is gonna happen? And sure enough, the second workshop, which was meant to take place as a kind of like, like a pair of workshops in a way, looking at different aspects three weeks later in Gloucestershire, 
and it was a year later because it took that long to kind of rethink things with with a subject as sensitive as that to be able to do a workshop effectively online and hopefully to take all the good stuff in terms of energy and genuine valuing people listening creating a space for people I think who she is is very much about like creating the conditions for people to really feel that we're genuinely interested in what they they're going to say and following up with them not kind of for them or at them and so on and digital can be really really powerful so for example in Gloucestershire we could bring in an expert speaker you know who's only got to make 15 minutes of their day rather than either choosing to come to an event or not I think we had 15 bereaved couples so actual couples at the session whereas in a live face-to-face -face event it'd be quite unusual to get a couple to come along in terms of just people and their lives and being able to come and we always give people if you like turn your cameras on off contribute live I mean that's difficult online because you've got a limited amount of time and space to actually hear people's voices firsthand you know to actually turn their cameras on or, or unmute themselves and speak but everybody can speak about everything in the chat all the way through to be able to turn your cameras off I and mean, I was it was very very powerful I was imagining these people sort of sitting there they were able to just listen they were able to chip in as they wanted to go and get a cup of coffee or whatever it's different but I think digital for me can be used very very powerfully but you've got to put a huge amount of work into it and certainly our sessions were planned sort of minute by minute to try and keep the energy going and to keep everybody engaged huge amount of work goes into it whereas the live sessions the who shoes sessions to some extent the main work is the research and development to develop the right scenarios to make the cakes to make the atmosphere mm -hmm. and then it kind of like runs itself so yeah. very very different but not necessarily better or worse i think and rachel has that been your experience as well yeah yeah definitely like digital as jill has said is is so powerful but i think it's also been able to find different mediums where maybe people can't access digital and to find yeah. ways around it but i i think a video is very powerful and it speaks to people and it's in the world that we live in now you've got to try and grab attention really quickly and i think media like videos can do that and online i think is good as well because especially if say say the lived experience isn't you know, has accessibility issues or is having a bad day it's really good to be able to do it from home you know and, and then because actually yeah. getting to a place and delivering a talk or being part of a session it takes a lot out and now I think yeah. COVID for me personally has made me realise how I do need I do find it easier because it is less kind of the preparing and then you're able to give more because you're not as tired and yeah Okay, well, look, I think so. We have uh, a number of people in the audience. Uh, Jenny, oh, I see Seb, yeah, and Emma. Look, I don't know, guys, do you want to turn on your cameras? Do you have this is your opportunity to ask, run ideas, run things by Jill and Rachel? So, Jenny, you, you turned your camera on first. So, Jenny, are you going to kick us off with a comment, a question, or whatever? Oh, lovely. Thank you. 
Rachel and Jill, you I just sit in awe of the work that you've done and the and it's just so inspiring. And it was on the back of meeting you either virtually or in person through Fab that I really started on my co-production journey. I struggled. It, it primarily, you know, it's it's a big job all on your own it, it, in an organisation, but we're, we're getting there now. We've got a now award-winning um, patient panel and we're beginning to sort of develop expert reference groups because we struggled to get the specialties to sort of host and own and look after experts by experience but having an expert reference group feels a bit more manageable but I think my my question and, and it is the highlight of my month I meet every month the technology has made a huge difference so we have a monthly patient panel our expert reference groups have got four of them now in cancer dementia sensory loss and breast nostalgia pathway and about to kick one off in cardiology but I think the big thing that I I don't struggle with, but be interested in how you manage expectations, because there's often you know really great ideas and and there's something about actually you have to keep your promises in order to to keep your your patients and their families genuinely involved and believe you're not just ticking a box. And so it's just it's probably managing expectations is my thing that keeps me awake at night yeah I, I think straight away as soon as you said that I've, I've experienced that myself and I think it's been open and transparent and I think as long as we understand that you're not able to change things overnight but it's been able to explain that things can't be you know we can do the make these small steps towards the change but it's been open and transparent if you just hide and go oh yeah we're going to we, we will be able to do but if you are honest we kind of reciprocate that because I think when you've been through a lot as well through health health you not doubt things but it's honesty works well you know and I do think that if you're able to just say that that helps manage the expectations a bit more if you're not able to deliver on something is to say okay it's a great idea we'll, we'll shelve it here it doesn't mean we can't but we've got to make infrastructure if it's a digital improvement or whatever but we will do it it's just it's not being afraid to go I'm human as well because actually we're all a patient in waiting as Terry loves to say and it's understanding okay but it's not us and you it's we're all in this together and you know you're human as well and you know things can't happen overnight it's just having that conversation and it's been able to be honest and to keep that the passion going because we can sometimes I know sometimes I've been a bit uptight or because I'm really passionate about something and it's we are learning as well you know and I think it's just that whole learning environment that's brilliant. I'm that. I'm clearly on the right road, then, because I, I, we certainly try to do that. And like you say, the learning as you go along. A few of our sessions, we've used them almost like training. We've sort of introduced our panel members and our experts to learn a little bit more about how the NHS works or how the mm. system works. That who owns what and who can influence what, just so that they're grounded in in the real world if you see what I mean but I've also found that and I think this is where some of the hesitancy comes from our specialists a lot of our doctors I don't know if there's any doctors in the room but a lot of our doctors they love the data and the stats and the 
the qualitative quantitative stuff don't they so they'll say oh one patient voice you know as a, is that representative of the whole you know and I'm going well that was your mum's patient voice it would be you'd be you know shouting loud for it so managing some of that is, is probably what I focus on a lot on but you're right at least I'm on the right road I really try to be open and tell it how it is really and give give genuine expectations back you know I won't say I will deliver this for you by the next meeting or I'll find I'll try I'll do my best I think that's a really interesting conversation I've got if it's okay two examples to add to answer Jenny's question I think so I think in terms of managing expectations I think Rachel's answer was spot on you know if you're honest with people and if you work with people and I think I'd sort of add to that you know if you take away the kind of tick box mentality so I had a bit of a battle so it's actually I've realized I'm quite quite excited about this it's eight years today since our first Matex Who Shoes workshop so it wasn't the first Who Shoes workshop in terms of the work we've done in maternity and it took me back in terms of listening to you there Jenny I was battling a little bit we were doing some formal kind of evaluations with NHS England would Who Shoes work in maternity And I was battling a little bit the idea of a spreadsheet and we've always had pledges. So to try and get people, you know, I'm a very big believer that people are not just generally wanting to improve things, but that individually they've got their own passion about something that really, really matters to them. So we've always invited people if they wanted to to make pledges now as soon as for me it goes onto a spreadsheet with like date pledge made what the pledge was tick the pledge off and as soon as possible it will kill it dead but Florence so um I say eight years ago today Florence Wilcock and I were running the first Matex maternity experience workshop at Kingston Hospital and she was nurturing people like how's your pledge going oh, I've pledged to make a graffiti board so that people can write their comments as they come onto the maternity unit and we're going to have a big blackboard and we're going to have chalk and we're going to have the siblings writing, you know, welcome baby such and such and it's going to be fun. But I've met resistance from health and safety and this and that and the other. And eight months later, that pledge happened in its own time And then it was replicated and then it was, you know, a fab change day type idea that got replicated in other hospitals. But because it was genuinely kind of nurtured in its own time, rather than trying to fit a a box somewhere. Now, in terms of managing expectations, and this is a really positive story, it can work the other way. Genuine, genuine co-production. Would you have expected that at the first workshop in Liverpool that we did so who shoes workshop at Alderhey Hospital in Liverpool that you would end up with a new neonatal surgical unit in in Liverpool and what I love about it is it wasn't even as I understand it on the radar it genuinely came from using co-production listening to people and then finding out well actually you know the fact that the hospitals are four miles apart and the babies are being transferred and so on what we really need is this new facility and then to be able to use that co-production as part of the business case to say well look we've really listened to people it's not what I think or what you think it's what we think you know we've all got together and this is like the obvious thing that's come out of it now as I understand it that's the story so that's way beyond expectations but only because people were really listening that's amazing 
Does anybody else have a question or a thought that they'd like to run by Jill and Rachel? You don't have to turn your camera on, just turn your microphone on if, if you've got anything you'd like to ask. Well, I'm going to say one thing. So I, my clinical world is stoma care, colorectal. And I went to a trust, Princess Alexandra Harlow, actually, to a quality day they were running. And I saw for the first time in action a Who's Shoes tabletop exercise with members of staff. And, and the questions and that staff are having to answer, what would you do if, and what do you think about this comment, etc. And I thought, wow, I want to do this, in, but I want it to be specific for stoma care. Now, I contacted Jill, and Jill actually developed, in conjunction, we developed some questions or scenarios around colorectal and stoma care that would really resonate with specialist nurses. Unfortunately, good old COVID totally and utterly messed up our day here, face-to-face -face day, and we are yet to, but we will, Jill, make this happen. <laughs> so to know that although if you look at the, the fantastic resources Jill has working with Jill, as many, many trusts do, you can look at developing resources specific to the area that you want to explore and work with. So it's not it's not just maternity experience. It's not just neonatal. This whole process of how you think and challenge thinking uh, and learn from the responses can be adapted by Jill and and that, that's something isn't that something you're doing for the leadership academy Jill or have I made that up well we've got all sorts of, of bits and pieces going I mean the leadership academy might be like the Darcy fellows that I work with which is more kind of more generic set that's of sort of patient experience yeah, yeah. resources but you know with family integrated care we're doing a new project at the moment and also around children's services with the Midlands NHS Trust so and it's, it's capacity and it's trying to make sure that, you know, quality yeah. is what matters. So take on less projects and, and do them well. But yes, our project is sitting there in the background, Terry. It's, oh, it's going to happen. We'll make it happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, look, uh, if there's no other questions or comments, I'm looking at the time and we're sort of on time just to to say for you in the chat if you click on the chat you will see that Rachel has put some resources there for you so you can download the digital postcard made by Jill which is her top tips as kind of bullet points but then all of the links to further reading and resources to help you explore these areas further so thank you Jill thank you Rachel thank you thank you not just for today but thank you so much for how you are changing the landscape and as Rory always says you you make it a reality you start with the patient and work backwards whereas as clinicians often we start with this is what my service is how can I jig it a bit so that it's so yeah so you really do walk the walk I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform. And please leave a review. I tweet as Who's Shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And let's hope that together 
we can make a difference. <laughs>